as women, maybe sometimes we're put in a box. Like I have the body type of an athlete. I'm very strong, very big. And then I'm a rugby player. So it's like, you're put in this box of being a rugby player. And there's so many like stereotypes that go along with it. So my beast beauty brains hashtag is that I can be a very powerful beast on the field and I can wreck people and I can run hard. But I also in that can be very beautiful and I feel beautiful when I'm playing that way. And I can be very beautiful off the field. And then brains is that I'm pretty smart. So um, (laughs) just kidding. But Hello and welcome to the Off Field Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish age grade international player, now playing in Vancouver and coaching collegiate rugby. Each week, I chat with somebody involved at the top end of the game to hear about their journey, get their insights, and learn about how they do what they do. On Instagram, I'm the Off Field Rugby Coach. That's at Off Field Rugby. Please follow me there. I share content around mental skills and performance and also clips from the pod. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. And in the review, let me know what you like about the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lastly, please share the pod with some friends. Those different things help people find the pod and are really, really appreciated. Today I'm chatting with Ilona Marr, who was at the recent Tokyo Olympics with Team USA. During the Olympics, Ilona started documenting what life was like in the village for her and her teammates, and she blew up on TikTok and Instagram. I was also covered in the New York Times and Sky News. She's really authentic on social media. She doesn't put up a facade or act in a certain way because she's an Olympian, and we chat about this. And this is not very common with top-level athletes. I think a lot feel a pressure to act a certain way or present themselves a certain way. But Ilona just does her and she's hilarious, which definitely helped her go viral. Be sure to give her a follow. We chat about her journey in rugby from starting out in high school to college and the USA 7s. In the pod, Ilona also opens up about suffering from depression and talks about what has helped her work her way out of that dark hole and what she is continuing to do today to get back to being her best self. I'll chat at the end, but I just want to say how much admiration I have for her strength in opening up about these things. It's awesome. Ilona talks about wanting to grow the game and how she uses her platform of nearly a million followers on social media to do that. But she also talks about the difficulties that come with having that kind of presence on social media. She talks about the tools she has to deal with the pre-match nerves that come and also tells a story about how she broke down right before a game recently. We also chat about how she balanced her rugby with becoming a registered nurse and now when she's doing an MBA and also preparing to give a TED talk. I don't know where she gets the time. It's seriously impressive all the things that she's doing. So a quick mention from our sponsor, and then it's episode number 25 with Alona Mar. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth, and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so that you don't need to be worrying about it. 
you can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So I'm with Alona Marr, and you seem to be real busy these days, training, studying, did I see as well? I, I am, yeah. I'm uh, getting my MBA, and uh, I'm in a corporate finance class, and I have no passion for it. But uh, I'll do it. I'm getting through it. Nice. And then, of course, being a social media phenom as well. Mm-hmm. That's what takes up most of my time. That's a lot of work and just a lot of like always on your phone recording videos. So, well, how much? So, how much time? Like when you're putting out TikTok, you just getting ideas on other TikToks or? Yeah, I think what it is is just like I'm constantly on TikTok seeing trends and seeing what's up, and then I try to relate them to my own life or I try to relate them to something that I know other people will relate to and be like, oh my gosh, that happens to me as well. And then I'm constantly scrolling. I'll see some sound and then I'll make a video. And uh, usually I try to put out a good amount at a time and just see what lands. Or if I come up with a fun idea while I'm taking a walk, I'll just record it then. Cool. And how have you found that? So like when I started this podcast, I've mentioned it to you, but um, a few of the girls I coach were like, oh my God, you got to get alone tomorrow and you got to get her on. <laughs> and those like August, like, yeah, right after the Olympics. And how have you found that just to kind of, I don't know if the word notoriety, but just being out there? Yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. Uh, it's been at times uh, a lot because then all of a sudden people want different things from you. And it's like, I get emails about all this and Hey, can you do that? And, and um, it's a little different. I'm not really the best at time management already today. I had to like reschedule two meetings because everything was going like 15 minutes into the other time. Uh, but it's really been been a really cool thing to like get myself and my team out there in a way. Um, yeah. And especially at the Olympics, like it was such an amazing platform to really get people interested in our sport and tune in. Yeah, for sure. And then at least you want to think like, how has it been, been a like prominent representative of like women in rugby as well as your team at the Olympics, but women in rugby in general? Uh, it's been really cool and I really appreciate all the sport. And I think, um, I think they just came out with a thing like sports center that rugby was like the eighth or ninth most viewed sport in 2021. And I think it's really, a lot of it is because of like how, what, what we did at the Olympics and how important that Olympic was for getting people to tune into rugby and see how cool a sport it is. Um, I just like being representative for rugby in the U S because Um, and I, because we really need to get more girls into rugby and I think we need to have somebody out there who like, who's the face of it. And I think Naya does a great job of that as well. Um, just to get girls to be like, Oh, like if you see them on social media or you see them on TikTok, Oh, maybe I can play this sport as well. And because the power of social media is so vast and it's really what's going to get our numbers so high. Yeah. So true. The like, can't see it, can't be it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is what my teammates and I are doing is like, I'm trying to tell them like, you got to post more because that's what's going to get girls to see this sport. And like, even through TikTok, people like joke about TikTok all the time. Like, ah, it's a kid's app, but it is so powerful. And what it was able to do during the Olympics and the, the amount of girls I have now messaging me saying like, I tried out rugby because of what you did at the Olympics uh, just shows that we need to keep doing it. Yeah, that's awesome. And so like when you started, I know your dad played rugby, but like, did you have many female role models, like athletes when you were growing up? 
Honestly, not that many. I mean, you had maybe your Mia Hamm for the soccer team. There, I just always remember there's a poster of her in my gym in middle school and elementary school. Uh, of course, Serena Williams. But yeah. it wasn't a very, like, there wasn't a lot of athletes from different sports. It was like soccer and tennis you had as your big athletes you could look up to. Um, so I don't really think of many athletes I had to look up to. There's all these male athletes. Um, so now what's really cool is like, there's athletes from so many different sports to look up to, uh, basketball, um, even softball and bobsled and whatnot and rugby now. Yeah. Cool. And what drew you to rugby at the start? Was it senior year of high school you started? Mm -hmm. So I've always been an athlete. I was like a, a three sport athlete in, um, high school. I played field hockey, basketball and softball. And then I just got super not sick of softball, but if you've ever, you ever played baseball or cricket? Yeah, it looks, uh, it looks so boring. I'm from Ireland, so we don't really, we don't play either of those. We play like field sports, but when I look at those, I'm like, oh, I don't get it. So it's a tough game. You know, in, in Ireland, don't you play hurling? Where yeah, you're just exactly. like smashing each other with sticks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we play. Gaelic football, rugby, soccer, basketball, like where you're just yeah. going at it all the time. Well, it's because baseball and softball is really just such a, like, um, a, it was a radio sport, so it's a very slow-moving game. And I was a pitcher. I was a really good softball pitcher, uh, but I only really did it because my dad always, like, had us go to pitching clinics, and he had us playing softball. And my sister was a year ahead of me, and she graduated, and I was like, I don't think I want to play softball without her. And then I told my dad, like, hey, man, I, I just don't think I want to play softball. He was like, you have to do something. And I knew that he was a rugby guy, but he never pushed rugby on us. I think it was partly because my mom's a registered nurse and she was like, rugby, no, you're going <laughs> to die. Um, so I never tried out rugby and just because he never, I did like one camp once, a touch rugby camp. So I went and just tried it out. I still remember like my first time I got there, I, I was varsity athlete. So when you, you get somewhere, you get ready, you're ready 15 minutes earlier to go. And I was there like sitting there, like the practice was at three. I was there ready to go at, at 2.45 and no one's there. And I'm like, dad, do I have the wrong field? But like at three, like a classic rugby club at three, people yeah. start like just walking in. I'm I'm like, hey. So even in my first game, I think I immediately was like, oh, I can play this sport well. And I think my dad would tell you the same thing. Like I scored, tried, made a tackle and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is a sport for me. I think it's my body just fit it so well, being like very big, but also very fast. Yeah. And did you just decide then – to kind of pursue it further, like with college, did you in your first year, I know you went to Quinnipiac, did you go to a different school mm -hmm. for your freshman year? Yeah. So I was going to go to UVM and try out for the field hockey team, but UVM was so close to my home and I just started playing rugby and I already was getting a little bit recognized for rugby. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I want to keep playing rugby. So thankfully this, uh, the coach from Norwich university, which is right by an hour away from my house, who'd seen me play before. He was like, Oh, you got to keep playing rugby. So I made the late decision. Like I went to the orientation at UVM, but I made the late decision to go play rugby at Norwich. And, uh, even then I was starting to keep, continue to grow and continue to, I guess, shine in a way, but that wasn't the best environment for me. And then I went to Quinnipiac University and they had a great nursing program and a great rugby program which was just like a double whammy which is both what I wanted and it was a great time and I got a degree and uh, three national championships so nice congrats thank you I, I just coached the uh, Lindawood women's rugby team first semester I went there and yeah I think just after you left then they started winning a few 
Yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, Linden one's good, and it's kind of cool to see, like, these teams that are coming up with, like, all these great players. Because it was only, like, a couple teams that were really in, in vying for, like, the top spots. But now a lot of teams are really getting better because they're getting that school funding and whatnot. I don't know about your team. Like, are you guys still a club in Canada? No, we're, we're like, well-funded, which is awesome as oh, well. Nice. But it's only in the last, like, five, seven years, kind of. Like, I hear about what it was like before. I moved, like, three years ago. But before that, they were saying, like, they barely had jerseys, blah, blah, blah. And... But now it's like really well funded. It's um like it's a varsity sport. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's awesome. Which is what was great about my school I went to, Quinnipiac, was that it's an NCAA sport. Some schools in the US are NCAA sports and like we got full funding, full gear. We were treated like a vars a D one mm-hmm. program and I mean we had athletic scholarships, which are amazing uh for rugby. So I just think that's the way it has to go. Cause most men's teams are in the US are still club. They yeah. aren't NCAA and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that, but they do want to get more women's rugby teams to be in it. Maybe some Title mm. IX reasons, but I'm not fully sure. Yeah, no, we're we're like a pro setup, to be honest. Like, the girls, like, are in the gym three, four times a week, on the pitch three times a week. Like, I say, all the gear, travel, it's awesome. And I know in the States, yeah, there's probably, as you say, what would it be, like, eight or nine teams at that level? It's like... Uh, I think something like eight, maybe 13 that are NCAA okay. teams, okay. but they're, you know, D1, D2, D3. So they're not all D1 teams. They're spread across. Yeah. I, I actually played in Canada. I played McGill. You guys play them ever? Oh, yeah. They're like the opposite yeah, they're sides. Out, yeah, they're out yeah. east. They're good. They were pretty good. We like got to play them and then we played another team in Canada, I think in Ottawa. Would you know what that one was called? Yeah, maybe the GGs. I think their name is... Ottawa, yeah, they got the. I think yeah, they got to the national championship final this year. They're good as well. Wow. Yeah. How did you find balancing the nursing degree with school or with rugby? Uh, it was definitely tough because it's uh, nursing is one of the tougher majors. I think just because of time required and you have to do clinicals. So I had to do two clinicals, two days a week, which were um, they had to be eight hours long. So I had to be in the hospital for eight hours a day, which is usually your practice time. So thankfully I had an amazing coach who was able to um, work with me on that. Like I, I missed Thursday practices because of clinical and then I'd have to maybe come late to other ones or I'd have to make stuff up and even traveling for games, I'd have to go to all my professors, but I'm so thankful for my professors because my senior spring and, and even senior fall, there were so many rugby tournaments I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Barbados and I did New York sevens. And then I wanted to do Las Vegas sevens. And I kind of told them like, Hey, I want to play for the USA team a little bit. These are going to help me. And they, you know, let me go to all these tournaments and I'd have to make stuff up, but they really worked for me. And I think they're also a reason that I was able to get my nursing degree while also um, playing for the USA team. Nice. And did you start knowing at that time towards the end of your degree that you wanted to kind of pursue rugby full time? Yeah, it wasn't until I would say like slightly in my summer between junior and senior year, like it wasn't even on my radar for that, just because I, you know, you get a nurse, you work so hard for a nursing degree, and then I also wanted to go to med school at some time. Um, so that summer, then I was like, okay, maybe I want to continue playing a little bit. And then I think it was the end of my senior fall when I was like, oh, this is something I really want to pursue, and uh, I want to put a lot of effort into it. So. I'm so impressed with myself, my senior spring self, because I did work out on my own like three times, 
three times a day on my own. Two times a day, I was doing conditioning sessions just because I was like, I want to be not only the best student, the best nursing student, but I also really have a goal of playing for the USA team. So I spent that senior spring was just like me on my own working hard in both aspects. So honestly, I'm impressed with her. She really did it. Yeah, impressive. And she must have kept going as well because you're doing all right now. Yeah, she she she's continuing on. She's still there. Yeah, still there. Where did that, where did that come from? Like, did that come internally that you just decided, or did you have like someone, like kind of a bit of a mentor, or someone helping you out, or? It wasn't. It was kind of like everyone just kept telling me, "Oh, you can be an eagle. Like, you're really good. You can do this." And it wasn't on my radar because really, professional sports aren't on any women's radar. I would say. Yeah because it's just, there's not much opportunity for it. And I didn't really fully know the landscape of what was possible of, you know, you could get a contract for sevens. Um, so everyone was just telling me, and then I would like, oh, I'm thinking about, you know, going to play for the USA team. And all these nurses were like, yeah, do it. Like go pursue your Olympic dream because there will literally always be sick people, but it's yeah. not often you can go to the Olympics. So I have my nursing degree. I'm a registered nurse, but I've actually never used it. But it's always nice to have that in my back pocket while I pursue my Olympic dream and and this career that not many women get to do, I think, is something that I was so special. So I wanted to really focus on it. For sure. And do you think that's something you're going to go into after, like you're doing the NBA now? What what are you kind of thinking? I think about it, uh, but I don't it would be it's going to be such a change going from like spending eight hours a day outside playing sport I love with my teammates to then being in a hospital setting, I, I don't know. It's just like, I'm going to see. Yeah. Because it'll be so different, but I would love to get into coaching or travel coaching and like go around and play for some other teams in other parts of the world. Uh, I'm getting my MBA really because it's free. And I told my dad and he told me I had to. And (laughs) then, but then also because if there, if I do get into the nursing realm or any other realm and there's always a, there's an opportunity for a higher position. I don't want to be looked over. Yeah. I want to be like, I'm, I have this, so I should be a good candidate for that. Or, and I don't want to be like, damn, well, if only I'd had that, I would be, I could get higher. So that's why I'm doing it. Not too much passion for it, but it's, it's been fun. Yeah. And you mentioned there like other parts of the world. I think it's really cool. The super rugby, the women's super rugby starting up now. And obviously the premiership in England is go in a couple of years but is that something you might you're thinking of looking at in a few years time after maybe another olympics or yeah so after i think paris i would love to go play somewhere else i've learned now like you spend so much time focusing on you know your usa team and that's all you do and i i think i might need just a little break afterwards at least after this one just to maybe find the love again play some club again so i would love to play the play in the premiership uh, my dad always watches that. The level of play in the premiership has just increased dramatically, mm. and it's just so cool to watch. Uh, I'd also like to just maybe go to a team that isn't like a country that isn't known for its rugby, and just be like, "Hey, let's let's do it and uh, help them." And you know, they help me. Um, I love going around meeting people and and going to different places. So, you know, if we can put a call out on this podcast in three yeah. years, if anybody go to Ireland, yeah, maybe I'll go to Ireland, Ireland for a while, yeah. I think a teammate of mine, Tess, is playing for Railway. Oh, yeah, they're good. They're in Dublin. They're like okay. one of the top top teams. Damn. All right, well, that's the opportunity. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. 
And and then when you were leaving Quinnipiac, how, how did it come about the USA? So like you're training hard, you're working away, working away. And then how did it come about? Because pretty, pretty quickly after you graduated, you went in, didn't you? Yeah. So I did those tournaments like Las Vegas and New York and Barbados to get seen by the USA team. So I did Barbados in New York and then got a call and was like, hey, do you want to come out for a camp in January? So I went out for a camp for the USA team in January for a week. And then I had to go back to school because I was going to, I had to finish my degree. And then I went to Las Vegas and I like for, for that, Las Vegas was in the middle of the spring semester. And I just trained specifically for Las Vegas and played really well in Las Vegas. And then got the call out right after I graduated. It was like, Hey, we want you to come out to the USA team. So literally a week after I graduated, I had went out to the training center, had a camp week, was selected for Paris, the Paris tournament. Went to the Paris tournament, had no idea what I was doing. I was like, I probably shouldn't be here, but I'm very excited to be here. And then two months after that, was selected for the World Cup team and uh, played the World Cup. But honestly, I don't. I had no idea what I was doing then. I still think like, how? Why was I selected? But super grateful to be. And then in the fall was when I really felt like, okay, this is my team. I've made it. Cool. And and what was it that helped you think I've made it? Was it the experience or like? Yeah, I think it was um, feeling like I could go on the field and knew what I was doing, what we were all doing, and being on the same page with what the defensive structure is, what our attack focus is. So it wasn't until the fall when um, I'd started the season with them. We had a new coach, so we all were kind of starting on the base level. Mm. And I was playing in the games, and I felt like I actually knew what I was doing. And in that tournament we played in Glendale, I also scored a lot. So that was like, oh. I'm pretty good. She's good. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can play rugby. <laughs> so that's what made me think, like, oh, I'm part of this. Yeah, nice. What's been your best moment in rugby? That's a t- There's a lot of great moments. Um, I mean, going to the Olympics was amazing. Like, walking out in the opening ceremonies was so cool. Cause you work so hard for something and you, you, everybody at some time probably wants to be an Olympian in their life. Yeah. And then to do that was awesome. Um, playing in front of my family is always great. It just, there've been so many great moments that rugby has given me and I'm so appreciative of it. Uh, playing in Cape Town, South Africa was amazing. Going to the Pan Am games, all the people I get to meet. Uh, it's just a sport that like, I think a reason I preach for girls to get into it is it can, literally change your life and give you confidence and take you around the world. And it builds you a social network in all these places. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And something I saw you say in an interview before, I think it was just at the Olympics or after, which is cool is that you said like, I'm an athlete, but I'm so much more than that too. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about that. Um, I think with that, and um, I'm actually going to do a, a TEDx talk on it. Awesome. Just that. No. Cool. What? That'll be a good one for the CV as well. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> like they called me. I was like, "You want me to? All right, I'll do it." Oh, I'm, yeah. just, I'm a TikToker. All right. Yeah. I can do um, 20 seconds, but 18 minutes. Okay, I'll have to work on yeah. that. <laughs> They're making me memorize it, and so I'm like, <laughs> every day I'm just trying to memorize it all because I don't have any brain power anymore. Memory is gone. I used to be able to remember full phone numbers. I can't remember four <laughs> numbers anymore. <laughs> Um, but I think with that, it's that a uh, hashtag I use is beast beauty brains for myself. My teammate and I once came up with it and, uh, I, 
I just want to stress that as women, maybe sometimes we're put in a box. Like I have the body type of an athlete. I'm very strong, very big. And then I'm a rugby player. So it's like, you're put in this box of being a rugby player. And there's so many like stereotypes that go along with it. So my beast beauty brains hashtag is that I can be a very powerful beast on the field and I can wreck people and I can run hard, but I also in that can be very beautiful and I feel beautiful and I'm playing that way and I can be very beautiful off the field. And then brains is that I'm pretty smart. So um, right. <laughs> just kidding, but like I'm getting my MBA. So like I'm, I'm a nurse, but also I'm a aggressive rugby player. Um, as, as an athlete, we are like, and as Olympians, we're expected to be like almost perfect. I think that was one thing that people stuck to in the Olympics was because they think of Olympians as being the coolest. They're the top of the top. And then seeing me an Olympian, like being weird or quirky or like thirsting after other Olympians, it's like, Oh, they're, they're human too. They're people just like us. Um, so I wanted to show that side cause it's, athletes are thought of as, you know, six packs and oh, I will never have a six pack. So there's just all these things that I want to kind of split from because their athletes come in all station sizes, all personalities. That's awesome. And it's so, it's so important as well, because when people retire, if you see yourself as just a rugby player, just a whatever, then when people retire, they kind of lose their identity. So it's so important as well, just to like, you're a nurse, you're that your friend, you're a player, you're whatever, mm-hmm. all these other things as well. Thank God I'm a TikToker yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and has i know the olympics is obviously extremely tough i heard you talk about that but has your love for rugby being a rugby player ever been tested uh you know after the olympics was a very um dark time for me i would say i was uh depressed in a way just because and there's all these start studies on it like post-olympic blues that people go through mm. because you spend your whole time, you know, we spent three years really just training for the Olympics and getting a medal at the Olympics. And then you go to the Olympics and especially in our sport and like track athletes, like they have literally a 12 seconds to whether or not they're going to win a medal. And for us, we have 16 minutes, whether or not we can continue to compete for a medal. So that one was really hard for me to, when we fell to great Britain, especially a team that we'd beaten a lot a time and time again, And I personally like took it on myself as feeling like I made some mistakes that caused that loss. And I know it's a team sport and people always tell me that, that, you know, if you, when you win a game, you would never say, Oh, I, I won that game for us. But it's so much easier to say when you lose a game, I, I lost that for us. So I felt that in my heart that I, I blamed myself for it in a way. And that is never don't, it's a bad feeling because I, um, spiraled into a hole And I think there was a time when I did kind of lose the love for it uh, or I just didn't know if I deserved the love for the game anymore and to continue to to love it because of what I felt like I had done. Um, So that's kind of why I think after Paris is one of the reasons I would love to go play somewhere else because I just saw what a stressful time it was. And if it doesn't maybe go your way, you need that time to take back and I got really into going to guest coach at like college teams, high school teams, just to like see other people loving the game. Cause then it was like, Oh yeah, I love this game. And they kind of showed me like, yeah, I didn't win a medal, but I did so much more for the sport of rugby. And that really helped me through. I wouldn't say I'm fully over it. Sometimes I'll look at pictures or even talking about it really gets me um, like in a, in a emotional state, but um, I've never lost the love. I've just kind of 
um, maybe just been a, been apart from it for a little bit. Yeah. And what has helped you get out of that or work out of that? Like that? Whole- uh, it's been, well, I spent a lot of time with my family and they like with my family, I can't ever fake it around them. They'll, I'll, I'll sneeze weirdly and they'd be like, that girl's depressed. <laughs> um, so I was with them for a while and they just knew that things were not good and I could just be myself and really feel my feelings, I think. Uh, but as I was saying, it was like going to those college teams and going and coaching and seeing like these girls get so excited to see me and see their love for the game. And that I think really helped me. And it made me like, oh, there's so much more I can do with rugby. I'm not just an Olympian. I'm not just an athlete. I can be a coach, uh, someone to look up to. Um, so that really helped. And then getting back into rugby slowly also helped. Like at Dubai, which we just played, I was super nervous my first game I was kind of in tears like had to go talk to our sports psych guy and just like took my minutes to be mindful and really breathe through it because it was stressful to go back out there again and do you use what like breathing to help yourself for games or to like calm nerves so we do like breathing practices I, I've been really getting into just like to, you know, all you focus on is your breathing because there's so mm. many other things you want to focus on, but just focus on like you count your breaths, like one, two. And then before games, I just like to write down what I want to do in the game. Just very simple. I've, I think what's one thing I always write down is just do your job because I don't want to try to do anything spectacular or score five tries or do this amazing thing. I just have to go out there and do my job and my job will be enough. And I, I also write down just to enjoy it because if I don't enjoy the game, then I think that'll be a problem. Cool. Yeah, 100%. And any other things that have helped you with like the sports psych side, like working with that person? I think it is reaching out for help and it is being very vulnerable. I've been trying to be very vulnerable on TikTok as well about what I'm going through um, and showing people like, that I did a um, went to see a online therapist and I talked to my sports psych guy and I had just showed that again, the athlete part, we also struggle and Olympians are go through a lot of mental health issues as Simone Bile was showing as Naomi Osaka. Like it's, it's really prevalent, but they've always been kind of pushed down because you're an athlete. You have to be the best. Um, I think having your friends or someone key that you can talk to. I have an amazing best friend who, she went to the Olympics as well, but I was just in a darker place than her having my sisters and also having an outlet. So for me, it was going to work out constantly and going out with my coach, my strength coach, who I really love. And he really helped me as well. Yeah. It's so important that athletes do speak out about the tough times as well, because you don't see it. And then I know it's not the case with rugby about getting paid, but people say, Oh, she gets paid so much money. Like they get, you know, they can't be that way. And it's like, get it. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely like getting up there and I, I love to see like what we're doing but it's all those little steps like what the women's soccer team did you know they weren't getting paid much but they're they were doing it for the next generation so for us yeah myself Tapper, all of us are we're doing we're not getting paid much but we're doing it so that the next generation can hopefully get paid more and it's hopefully a different landscape for them yeah and just before you leave, so how does it work with the USA, the women's seven? So like how many players are contracted in the the group? I'm not positive how many, but it's like we have full contracts and those ones have to like live off campus. And then we have um, like smaller contracts and they might live in team housing. 
Um, it, we're, it, we're so blessed though that we are able to play a sport as a job. Mm. Um, not many women get to do it, but I'm not positive numbers, but even we have like 22 girls in camp who train with us. Constantly. Okay. And then those 12, 12 out of those are selected to go on tour. And the 22 are pretty much full time. Like they're not working other jobs or. Uh, some of them do still work other jobs. Those who are usually not on full contract will work okay. other jobs. Um, but some, a lot of us don't who are like on maybe the fuller contracts. Okay. Awesome. Well, Hey, thanks so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's been awesome chatting. Thank you, Brian. Cheers. Keep doing good things for women's rugby. I will. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. What a brilliant ambassador for our game and role model for young female players. First up as well, I just want to say how incredibly strong, courageous and impressive she is for opening up about her mental health struggles and falling into a depression. This is common, it's normal and it's okay. It happens to players at every level and just to people in general. But it's very uncommon for someone in her position to speak about it. By doing so, she's helping others and one of my goals with this podcast is to normalize the conversations around mental health because it can happen to anyone. Also, I'm talking about high performance, leadership and all those things, but mental health is just such a central and integral part of who we are. What Alona was talking about has happened to me in the past and to be honest, when I was going through it, I didn't really know what was happening and it took me a while to get to grips with it. It's awesome that she is getting support from her sports psych coach and is seeing a therapist online. The more that people like Ilona and other players talk about these experiences, firstly, the more other players can learn and understand how normal it is. And secondly, then if they do unfortunately fall into those dark places, then hopefully they can have the strength to seek help because it's easy to say when you're in a great place mentally, oh, to go and talk to someone or seek help if you're not doing well. But it's really not easy to do when you're in the midst of a depression. The reason that I do this podcast and share content on my Instagram page at Offfield Rugby is because I want to help people with the mental side of rugby. From my experience, this is what determines whether people succeed or fail. It's not the physical side, it's not how fast you are, it's not how much you can bench press or squat. And I'm sure you've heard the same before, how talent will only get you so far. It's the mental toughness and mental strength. I have started a Patreon page where I help players develop the self-confidence and self-belief that they need to go and kick on and become the best version of themselves. And also, importantly, to give people the understanding and tools to deal with adversity and the tough times that will come in sport. Ilona talked about how heartbreaking not meddling in the Olympics was, but for you it could be getting dropped from a team, suffering a serious injury, or losing a big game. These are all things that a lot of us will face and it's really, really important to be equipped to deal with them when they come. There's so, so much that I know now that I wish I knew when I was playing underage rugby for Ireland and 
In the Patreon, you'll get extra podcasts from me where I educate you on how to develop mental toughness and give you the tools to help you be your best self. In the podcast, I'll also be talking about well-being, teaching you how to be more mindful, giving you tools to deal with anxiety around games and helping you better deal with setbacks. I'll be talking about how you can develop leadership skills, what you can do to get noticed by coaches and lots, lots more. On the Patreon, you can also tell me what areas you'd like me to help with. So if you're an ambitious player, want to avoid pitfalls and become the player that you know that you can be, then the link to the Patreon where you can get the extra content is here in the show notes and also in my Instagram bio. And the Patreon tier is the first 15. It's the price of a coffee each week or maybe less. You'll also get a shout out on the main pod here when you join. And there's a few more perks too that you'll see when you click in. If you enjoy the podcast, but you don't want any extra podcasts and extra content, like I just chatted about, but would like to show your support, then there's a supporters tier. And lastly, on this, if you've been listening to the pod, you will know that literally all top players have a mental skills coach or a sports psychology coach. Ilona talked about how she has used hers and Robbie Henshaw talked about using one since he was 19. In the Patreon, there's also a membership tier which is for people who want to work one-on-one with me to achieve their goals in the game and get them where they want to go to. I also want to acknowledge how brilliant it is to see Ilona impacting young people, encouraging young girls to try out rugby and just growing our game in general. It really needs to be done. She's an absolute boss as well doing a TEDx talk. That's unreal. Fair play to her. It was an absolute pleasure getting to chat with her. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it on social media and tag me at OffFieldRugby. Also, send it on to some of your friends or into your WhatsApp group. Please also follow me on social media. I share content around everything I've chatted about. And my Instagram, Twitter and TikTok handles are at OffFieldRugby. On LinkedIn, if you want to add me there, it's my name, Brian Moylet. Along with sharing the pod, if you enjoyed it, would you please leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts, just letting me know what you liked about it. I would really appreciate your feedback. Lastly, if you want to hear from more influential women, I have chatted with Portia Woodman in episode 20. She is an Olympic gold medalist, World Cup winner, and was named Sevens Player of the Decade. Episode 14 is with Canadian international and Saracens player Matt Carson. Episode 7 is with Welch international and Saracens player Georgia Evans. And episode 9 is with Claire Sadler, who is a mental skills coach. I've also got some top female players coming on, so please subscribe to make sure you don't miss them. Also, sorry, real random one that I just kind of thought about, but... I'm pretty sure Ilona's last name is Irish. I should have asked her about that. We we would more so say Maher versus Mar in North America. And my English teacher in secondary school or high school was Mr. Maher. Kind of similar to this as well. I grew up in Ireland, as you can probably tell. And I pronounced my name Moylet. But when I moved to the States in 2016 to coach and play with Lindenwood University, literally nobody could understand me when I was telling them my name like nobody they were all like Moylan 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 and then I would spell it out and they'd say ah Moylet 
then when I moved to Canada in 2018, similar thing happened. So, to be understood, I've had to change my name from the way I pronounce it, from Moilet to Moilet. Anyway, but uh, it just got me thinking when with Maher and Mar. Anyway, thanks Mel for clicking in today. Have a good one. Cheers.